Welcome to the I'm Not a Barista podcast. We're here to talk about all things coffee, from industry careers, brewing tips, community support, and more, with some really incredible people who love coffee as much as you do. We hope their stories inspire you, because humanity runs on coffee, and together we can empower all the people behind every cup. Hello, Jerry. Welcome to I'm Not Barista podcast. Do you have coffee with you? I do. <laughs> And cheers. Yeah, cheers. Second cup already. <laughs> Second cup already. So you are a morning person, right? Um, not by nature, but um, I have an almost three-year-old son, and he wakes up very early. Um, so I've become more of a morning person. All right. So first, tell us about your professional life. What do you do for a living? Um, so I have two positions within the same company. So uh, one position is um, like a, I work in our cupping lab as a um, uh, the term is like assistant, but I set up our cuppings. I do all of our green eval for um, arrivals and samples for green coffee. I sample roast those. Um, and in that position, I'm also a trainer for wholesale uh, customers as well as our like internal cafes. We own three cafes, you know, that looks like generating little training documents on best practices to actually like going out and visiting customers and, uh, helping them get like a little bit more out of their coffee, uh, or their coffee program. Um, then my other position, I work a couple days a week in one of our cafes, um, Saturday and Sunday mornings, I get to open our cafe and see a lot of regular customers and just make drinks and interact with people for a few hours a day. So we can say that you are a weekend barista. Yeah, on, on the weekend, I'm a barista, uh, which I've I uh, recently one of my employees, coworkers, it's like a 17 year old kid. And he's like, how many years have you worked in coffee? And I had to actually like get a piece of paper to count everything. Cause it was uh, a lot of years on and off. And I think it was like around 11 years. Wow. 11 years. So how did you end up in the coffee industry? I remember stealing my dad's coffee, like, and we're talking like eighties Robusta, you know, not good coffee. And I remember just like loving it and being intrigued by it and, you know, getting into like, um, high school, junior high school, um, not having a lot of access to coffee, being in a small town, but just really loving the coffee shop that we had and, you know, very dark roasted coffee. And so, um, jumping forward a little bit to about 2006, my town, uh, got a Starbucks for the first time and I was looking for work and I had a friend that had worked at Starbucks and she was like, it's a great job, you know, as far as benefits and pay and all of that. And I was like, all right, you know, and started working there. And that was when coffee changed, even though Starbucks is very dark roasted. Um, you know, at the time that was very much what I was used to. And I can remember, no longer being able to enjoy like inexpensive, easy diner coffee because I was just, I became aware of all the sensory aspects of coffee and tasting terroir, which with a dark roast is rather difficult, but um, I was able to do it. And 
my eyes were opened and I could no longer go backwards to just simply having a hot cup of coffee and not thinking about it. And so uh, I was with Starbucks for a few years and left and worked at a small locally owned chain and left to work at a uh, completely independent, um, very, I would call it like second and a half wave. It was lighter roasted. Yeah, it was like lighter roasted uh, coffee, actually from the company that I now work for. Um, but you know, a lot of the things that we would think of as being like very modern specialty, like Wayne input and output and just that level of craft and quality, it wasn't there, but it was quality focused as far as like steam your milk correctly. Here's how you pull shots. Here's how you tamp, but it wasn't fully third wave. So I'd say like second and a half wave, (laughs) It wasn't dark roast. It wasn't. And then uh, my now wife and I moved out to the Pacific Northwest to Washington State. And I wanted to get into coffee there. You know, uh, we're about an hour north of Seattle. It's like, oh, the epicenter of American coffee or one of them. And uh, I just couldn't find a job in coffee. So I actually worked uh, like retail. I worked in like shopping malls uh, for almost six years. And then when we came back to where we live now, I'd heard that uh, Wonder State had opened a cafe and I heard that they were hiring for a barista and I sent an email and had an interview and left the interview and quit the job that I was at, uh, hoping that I got the offer from a Wonder State. And luckily I did. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that was about three and a half years ago. <laughs> So many years in the coffee industry, would you say yourself a coffee pro now? I always say in coffee, like the more I think I know, the more I realize how little I know. Uh, And I keep on, you know, climbing to steps of understanding and knowledge and thinking that I've got this great perspective. Then all of a sudden my eyes are opened and it's like you think you're climbing a hill and you look down and you're just a, you know, meter or two off the ground. (laughs) I'm pretty sure there a lot of things has been changed since you joined the coffee industry at the first place, right? I would say I have seen that. I mean, coffee has expanded so much, uh, like where I'm from, which is, you know, kind of small town America. Not every town had a Starbucks. Um, maybe near a college campus, there were, you know, little cafes. And I've seen that just expand so much more. Um drive-through coffee is really popular in in the united states uh, especially in the west coast there were like little drive-through like they call them like coffee huts those are like super huge uh really really popular and i think you know starting to see like specialty coffee or like things that are more affiliated with like third wave are starting to become much more accessible to like the average person like in the united states we have like target stores kind of like tesco in england but like target or walmart and some of those stores are even selling stuff from like Stumptown and intelligentsia you know these like pioneers of modern specialty that is very good because you can ask us to especially coffee everywhere almost and how do regular coffee consumers respond to that yeah, I mean, I think a lot of a lot of uh, people are still very much uh, commodity market um, price conscious coffee shoppers, and I think a lot of people associate coffee with like that darker roast. 
you know, that like more confectionery, dark, dark chocolate side. So, you know, the uh, percentage of people drinking specialty probably isn't very large, but I think people are able to find specialty much more easily than six or 10 years ago. I'm pretty sure the coffee shops also change a lot. And what kind of coffee do you serve? Do you serve all only specialty coffee? Yeah, so we uh, kind of have a motto of meeting people where they're at. So uh, for like filter coffee, we have two typically blends going, something that would be, you know, really acceptable to most people that are like specialty coffee drinkers, brighter, lighter, juicier, acidity. Uh, and then we have something that's a bit more developed. Uh, and, you know, people come back and there are several people who want a very dark coffee, but it's a honestly pretty good grade of coffee. Um, I would say it's at least like an 83 or 84 point coffee that's just roasted darker. It's still sourced to be sweet and full. We have that. Um, we have two different coffees on espresso, um, usually something single origin and like a lighter roast. And then we do have a, a darker, a darker roast. Um, my motto is always like the best cup of coffee is the coffee that you drink all of it. Uh, and I rather serve someone something that I know is sourced with a lot of intention and, um, uh, a lot of ethic put into the sourcing I rather they drink that that is roasted or prepared in a way that they're more comfortable with than something that is too light for them or they're modifying it a whole bunch and they just they don't like it. I'd rather they finish their coffee than have it hit uh, like a trash bin or uh, dumped into a sink or whatever. And like you said, the best of coffee is the coffee. You drink all of it. And uh, tell us about the most popular drinks the beverage in your coffee shop we sell a lot of like larger flavored lattes uh, that's what a lot of people like i've seen a huge rise in matcha like matcha lattes are like really huge here um, and i think maybe in the states just in general uh anytime we have a natural process is like a pour over like that is always something people want to try for a minute we were just making cortados like left and right we were like running out of like serviceware for cortados actually because we'd have so many at the same time so tell us what is your favorite drink i typically will order like a cappuccino if i'm going to have something uh at a cafe i like uh just like smaller espresso drinks so um cortado uh Otherwise, uh, if I'm doing something that's like a filter, um, things from the Americas I really, really enjoy. Like um, right now I'm drinking a honey process uh, from Colombia that's super tasty. Uh, before that, I had a, a pour over Guatemala. Those are kind of my comfort zones. But, um, you know, give me something weird, too. Uh, I love to try it. I think I like I like the experiences. Uh, so... Even like a funky, weird anaerobic is something I definitely want to check out. <laughs> Coffee is amazing, isn't it? You have so many kinds of new experimental processing methods that I can try. And um, well, talking about a coffee, talking about the U.S., I was... I I immediately think of uh, the tipping culture in U.S. It's a really big thing, and it does really happen a lot in the rest of the world. Um, could you tell us more about the tipping culture? 
I mean, tips make a huge impact. Uh, like I'll be completely honest. We have, um, very generous customers that love what we do and definitely, uh, contribute to making the wage a livable wage. Um, my, uh, lab work job does pay more than uh, barista wage, but even the company I work for uh, wonder state, like in the cafe pays significantly more than I think a lot of entry level uh, cafe jobs or coffee jobs. Um, and again, with like tips, there are times where like, especially during peak peak summer where that wage that I make as a barista is equal to or greater than um like the last job that I had where I was like managing an entire store and managing a team of like 15 people. And, you know, that was a, a pretty good wage. So tips do make a huge difference. Um, I don't know what it would look like if tipping weren't uh, so normalized. Um, I don't know if that would be rather than the, the customer, I guess, subsidizing wages, if the business would just pay more, if it were a non-tipping culture, or just it wouldn't pay much, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I guess the big tipping culture helped a lot of barristers stay in a coffee industry. How about you? Have you ever thought about changing your career, doing something else? Yeah, I think I'm a lifer. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what the next few years will look like um, just with coffee and like uh, even right now with like supply chain issues that everybody has seen and delays shipping green and um, commodity green prices soaring. I don't know how that will affect specialty um, like wonder state uh, when we're sourcing coffee, we have a minimum price guarantee that we don't pay below two ninety five this year. Um, for green coffee. And I mean, that's above uh, commodity C market price, but with how that has fluctuated and increased, I don't know how that will impact uh, green prices even for, for us. So yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see where things go. Yeah, you're right. Uh, the pandemic is really, is really changing a lot of things, especially to um, hospitality industry. Uh, I'm currently living in Moscow, Russia, and I I like visiting coffee shops. And from what I know, and it's interesting to see that, especially coffee prices here um, in Moscow, is relatively cheaper than Starbucks. Is it the same in the U.S.? Yeah, I and honestly, like the last time I went to a Starbucks, I think like I just got like filter coffee. Um, I just typically don't enjoy their espresso beverages. So I, I honestly don't even remember what the prices are like. I, I want to say like a small latte from Starbucks is maybe like three or $4 in the States. Yeah. And I think like the big thing is like, you know, specialty shops have always felt like they've been a little bit more expensive, uh, than Starbucks. And I think just with rising green costs, uh, rising labor costs, um, you know, Starbucks has had to increase prices multiple times. So it's probably kind of catching up to specialty uh, if it hasn't surpassed. You mentioned earlier that you're also a barista trainer. And how often do you train barista right now? Um, for wholesale, it is a little bit less often. It's probably only about once a month right now, just with um, 
COVID and not a lot of places opening. Um, Previously, uh, when I was in the cafe more full time, I'd be training people, new baristas less often, but just refining techniques and practicing even things like latte art. I mean, that was daily in some cases. So what is the most common problem you see among young new baristas? Uh, People want to be experts before they're beginners. And I think that often looks like when it comes to pouring, um, you know, train someone like pour a monk's head, just, you know, get like a nice, even aesthetically pleasing drink, you know, um, don't overcomplicate it. Just look for something that you can replicate and do with finesse all the time. And, you know, they go, Oh, that sort of looks like a butterfly on a rock in the ocean. And it's like, nope, just beautiful texture and just like a nice monk's head. Like that is so much more pleasing to the customer than some blobby Rorschach ink blot. (laughs) Like, and, you know, I was guilty of that too. We see it all through social media and we all think like latte should be these beautiful, super well poured drinks and that takes years of practice in some cases well i'm not bursting so i can even make a lot of the basic heart <laughs> um let's talk about normal drink most common specialty drink let's say pour over if customer order a pour over at your shop and how would you prepare do you need to follow specific recipes um so we have a pretty standard recipe. And so uh, our pour overs are actually brewed with um, a machine called the Seraphim from Wilbur Curtis. So it's uh, like two shower heads uh, connected to a boiler with a computer that program or is programmed for um, pulses and in time. So um, the recipe will change in terms of like grind size, like that's dialed in. But um, as far as like, pouring patterns like that's that's consistent across the board so you guys use machines that's cool um pretty sure machines are more consistent and uh, have less arrows than human right yeah i mean it 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 should be um you know it takes the uh the human element uh of air out of it but i mean in a coffee shop anything can happen you know someone grinds it on the wrong size or um the portion is mismeasured, but I mean, airs as far as that go are, are pretty, pretty uncommon. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the benefit of that machine is that consistency. Um, I'm sure there are world barista champions, uh, like Alika Lifty in the States, uh, who's going to brew an amazing pour over. That's just so, so dialed in and just so beautiful. Um, uh, and it, probably is better than what this machine does but that machine does like frankly a pretty good job uh and being able to to walk away is pretty huge when you're when you're the barista on on during service um you know being able to give your attention to multiple places is is pretty great and so when you're not working at a coffee shop or in the lab, what do you do? How do you spend your time? So uh, I spend a lot of time with my wife and my son. Uh, we have a, a dog and uh, we have a really nice like nature trail right across from us. So when it's not 
super cold. We'll spend a lot of time outside. You know, I, I will honestly work an eight-hour barista shift and come home and start making coffee too. <laughs> I just really love to make coffee. And previously, I was really into comic books like Marvel Comics. I'd read a lot of comic books. Um, I spend a lot of time communicating with like a lot of other coffee industry people uh, through social media. Yeah, other than that, it's just like raising a, a child. You know, it's a lot of uh, keeping him happy and entertained and trying to read lots of books and trying to keep our house uh, from looking like uh, a total disaster. As a coffee professional, spend years in the coffee industry. I want to know what are your tips for young baristas and someone new in the coffee industry? Yeah, I think, um, you know, much like just life in general, it's really easy to see depictions on social media and think that that is uh, the entirety of what coffee or being a coffee professional is, whether it's going into competition and placing well or pouring immaculate beautiful latte art drinks um but that's that's just such a small part of it and um i think not measuring your success by where other people are or not measuring your progress by other people like it's it's great to have uh peers and like look at how they're doing and like we started out at the same time and they're now able to pour a 11 stack tulip uh and i can't and like use that as fuel to like push yourself. But um, it doesn't mean that their beverage is better or that their skills are better. They can just do something really specific. Um, if you're into coffee, don't be intimidated. There are many different ways to stop or not to stop wait, uh, many different entry points. And, you know, like you said, the best cup of coffee is the coffee that you love. And, Things don't have to be complicated. You can have a very simple AeroPress recipe where you just throw everything in for a while and drain it, and it can taste fantastic, and you can grow from there. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your experience with us and all those tips. And thank you for sharing your favorite AeroPress recipe with us. We hope we can try your recipe in the brewing game soon. Absolutely. I hope you stay safe in Moscow, Mickey. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to this I'm Not a Barista episode. Subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Instagram at I Am Not a Barista for more empowering vibes and true coffee stories that connect you with coffee lovers around the world. You're a part of our global community where we celebrate baristas and their craft in everything that we do.